Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. And today we're talking about season five, episode nine, titled Bad Choice Road. Alexis, what do you think of this episode? I'm going to have such a hard time talking about literally anything but Kim. Kim. Okay. Kim. Kim. It's all about Kim. I mean, What yeah. did you think? I, I'm it's with Kim. You. It's, it's just Kim, right? It's Kim. Kim's the best. Uh, she's also somehow the worst in some situations. You know, she's she's not as bad as Jimmy, so I won't say she's the worst, but definitely she's, even in her moments of triumph, she somehow is doing some weird stuff in this episode. I don't, I don't want her defending Jimmy at this point. Like, I want her distancing herself, not digging herself deeper into this life, but I can't help brooding for her when she's laying the smack down on Lalo. It is so rare that we get to see women be a fully dimensional person, not just yeah, good yeah. or this you know platonic ideal of a good person, mm-hmm. someone who gets to be a little messy in their own right. I know it's not necessarily true with like sitcoms. There are a lot of shows like on Netflix where we do get to see more complicated women, but mm, like everybody a- loves Raymond, sure, <laughs> yeah. Oh, like like an example I can't think of right this second. Insert example <laughs> later. I'll edit I'm, it in. I'm sure you're thinking of Big Bang Theory. That's probably where <laughs> the multi-dimensional, oh, I'm realistic really not. depiction of a woman comes in, right? I'm really not actually. <laughs> okay. No, it's uh, Two and a Half Men. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. remember mm-hmm. that one? Mm-hmm. No. Anyway, oh, you derailed me. Sorry. <laughs> what I was trying to say was, especially in a prestige show like this. And especially after a show where we had Skylar White, mm-hmm. it was troubling, but maybe not because she herself was a troubling person. Maybe just the way that she was written was, mm-hmm. it left a little bit to be desired. Yeah, I think here so. And there. Anyway, Kim's great. That's all I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's fantastic. She seems like a real person. Um, a real person who, you know, is on the, the morally gray side of things. Uh, and digs herself ever deeper into that trench. But yeah, definitely, definitely a really great depiction and a great actress, actor, sorry. Uh, and I I really enjoyed her this episode, but I enjoyed everything this episode. I did too. I really had zero complaints about this episode. There was one thing that almost made me mad, but it didn't end up being that important. So I, I got off my, my harumph what horse. Was that? We can get to it later. Okay. We'll get to it in the in the recap. Let's go, podcast. Right. Sounds good. Let's start <laughs> off the recap where Jimmy's walking back to civilization with Mike as Kim waits to hear from him. And he finally gets signal on his cell phone and he gives her a call. He says he's okay. And she begins crying. Classic split screen thing with the mm-hmm. song that literally has the words that describe the scene in it. Yeah. And they're, you know, juxtapositioning... A couple of different things here, you know, Jimmy drinking his piss versus <laughs> Kim drinking this Tap nice water. clean water, taking pills, and then they, they also do it with the sun at the beginning, where the sun is sort of, you know, beating down on Jimmy. And he touches uh, he's his forehead. desperately trying to stay alive. Yeah. And then it's so pleasant through the window of Kim, right? Like, right. that sun is, is not a problem. Although they're both, like, slowly dying. Kim's smoking herself to death here, uh, and Jimmy is... Dying a little more quickly. Mm-hmm. And that, the one thing I couldn't get over in this scene is that fly that almost flies into Saul's mouth, <laughs> Jimmy's mouth. Yeah, that's what you got hung up on. It grossed me out, too. Yeah. And I, I couldn't help but wonder if it's a digitally inserted fly 
like the flies in Westworld to crawl across people's eyeballs or something, or mm-hmm. if that was a real fly, because he doesn't really react to it. Yeah, I I sort of figured it was CGI, but it was really Could well be. done CGI. Oh yeah, even though he didn't react to it, but also he's exhausted. Yeah, and all he's thinking about is the fact that he's actually getting to speak on the phone to the person that he thought he would never see again. As an actor, I'm not sure I could uh, not continue twitch. acting. Yeah, yes. when there's a fly crawling into my mouth, <laughs> did you slap your face? Probably. Oh God, no. Probably. Get it off. But yeah, I, I did love this the split screen element, the juxtaposition of these things, and the emotion in this is really, mm. really well done. She, I believed every second of her reaction once he said that he was okay. Yeah, and everything he's not saying in that line. Yeah. Um, but clearly is meaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, he says it a little more clearly in a scene later in the bathtub. But uh, in those moments, yeah, you you feel the weight of like all of the, the shit that he didn't ever think he would be able to say to her. The like, mm-hmm. you feel their entire relationship just sort of being lifted off his shoulders there and the guilt <laughs> yeah. that he would have felt had he died in the desert. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's real. It's real good. I see some people talking online about how, oh, how did how did anyone ever, you fools, you thought that their relationship wasn't that close. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. After you see this scene, it's very easy to say, oh, I knew. Right, I right. knew that there was love in this relationship the whole time. I mean, it's there. We know it's there, but it's, it's like there. there's it's a question of which, which is the overriding emotion here. Yeah. Is it fear and and Relief. knowledge that this is a terrible terrible path they're going down or is it the love they have for each other and i i don't know Easily any given 50, week 50. i'm flipping a coin yeah yeah like t- trying to determine which is going to take over which is going to actually drive their decisions and it seems like in any week the writers are flipping a coin too and mm-hmm. i don't literally mean that i don't think they're you know throwing darts to tell the story i think they're doing things very intentionally keeping us on that line it all i think it all depends on the context too whenever you're dealing with things that are this serious depending on the scene it's not all i I spent the day watching netflix this is how i feel today Uh that kind of thing (laughs) sure all right mike and jimmy recover in the shade of a gas station as they wait for gus's guys to pick them up and on the way back mike and saul work on his story he then shows up at the courthouse with the cash for Lalo's bail, the size of which surprises everyone. There's uh, extra cash that's given back to Saul, and Lalo's released. And he has some questions for Saul about the delay, and Saul warns him that the size of his bail sent up some red flags. But Lalo's not worried. He plans on leaving for Mexico. Before leaving, though, Lalo mentions that he met Kim, which worries Jimmy. I just want to say the phrase, gas station Americana, and then I want to move on. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty apt. Uh, this scene, it's it's almost like this could be a Georgia O'Keeffe painting if it, if like if the if the gas stations were dotting the desert instead of the cow. I skulls. was gonna say this is like trash, Georgia O'Keeffe. This is Georgia trash. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> Georgia trash. Definitely could have painted this scene. Oh, garbage, O'Keeffe. God damn it, it was yeah, right there. That's, that's pretty okay. Good too. That was the right one. <laughs> so everything gets cleaned up nice and easy Mm -hmm. and i feel like if this were in breaking bad i'm sorry to keep comparing them but also like they're in the same universe so get off my nuts yeah um this is the difference again between a prequel and a sequel because in breaking bad this would be a thread that would 
probably lead to something way more terrible down the road, where here in this show, I'm willing to believe that this has just been cleaned up and that loose end is not going to come back. The loose end you're talking about being... The guy who got away. Bronco boy. Oh, yeah, that they talk about in the... Mm-hmm. In the during the ride home, yeah. yeah sorry, gotcha. Um, yeah, it's possible. It's also possible that they'll bring it back. I mean, the, these are the same writers uh, to a large degree who did things like Lily the Valley uh, and Breaking Bad, who did things like the rice and cigarette, mm-hmm. things that you thought were just kind of like there for the moment and then gone, and they come back multiple seasons later. So we don't have multiple seasons left. I don't think. I think we just got one left. Um, so maybe they'll come back. Maybe they won't. But it doesn't seem like that's super important right now. Mm-hmm. With, you know, with all of going back to Mexico at the end of this episode, I'm not sure how much that guy matters because he kind of knows that he's been lied to. He just doesn't know who lied to him yet. Mm-hmm. Um, though he might have some ideas. Yeah, that was my point. It being a... Just the fact that it is a prequel instead of uh, whatever the sequel to a prequel is. The the cool. The, yeah, the cool. The cool. Uh-huh. Instead of the cool, it being the pre-cool, I am more willing to believe that it is, that that is done. That part of it is done. Yeah. Can I say how much I love the fact that Saul has the tan line on his forehead from, from his shirt? Stupid bandana. His yeah. shirt, uh, not bandana. Uh, head wrap I, situation. Um, yeah. Don't know what you call it. Uh, yep, that's great, and I really found it hilarious and frightening uh, that Mike <laughs> has some just extraordinarily brutalized skin. Uh, j- I mean, I'm not trying to disparage Jonathan Banks here. Uh, Jonathan Banks is an amazing actor, but boy, when they model his skin, they really model his skin. They went for it, yeah. He and was the- wearing a hat, too. What the hell? Yeah, he was. He shouldn't. Uh, but his arms, man, yeah, his, arms, his are, arms are rough. Oof, rough. Yeah. Uh, but his tan lines on his feet. <laughs> did you see that when he's in those stupid sandals and those shorts? I actually didn't. And he's like right at the sock height. His his feet just go ghost white, and the rest <laughs> of his skin is like I've been in the desert for three days. How does that happen? He wasn't wearing shorts. Uh, no, he wasn't. I assume that he tans a lot. Mike's out on the beach, I guess. <laughs> In with, socks. I was going to say, old, in fucking loafers. Socks, yeah. yeah, his his army surplus boots. <laughs> Terrible. Army surplus socks, too. You know he's wearing those thick oh, green, the, the tall green, green boys. socks. The yeah. tall green boys, yep. Yep, he probably rolls them down because the, <laughs> the <laughs> tan lines didn't look that tall. Uh, yeah, but it's awful. Wow. All right, let's move on to Kim helping Jimmy recover with an oatmeal bath. He lies and says he was alone in the desert and then warns her not to go see his clients anymore. She asks if this whole thing was worth it. As an answer, he points her toward a bag full of money. Unfortunately, that's not the only thing in the bag. She also finds the world's second best lawyer mug, again, with a bullet hole through it. Pretty damning evidence. Yeah. Uh, And it's in this moment that she knows he broke that when you don't want to say anything, say something rule. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is why, you know, I said everything I said about Kim in the beginning, where she's amazing, but also kind of frustrating because every opportunity she's had to do what I consider the prudent thing for her life, 
uh, and to call things off with Jimmy, she's taken the other path. Mm-hmm. She could have grilled him here about knowing that he's lying to her. I understand why she doesn't. Yeah. Like, it's the same reason she didn't with Chuck, right? Like, after Chuck's death. um, She knows that that is not going to do anything good for Jimmy to Mm -hmm. confront him about these things right now. Maybe she will later. Um, You know, she does in this episode. But I I keep looking at every choice Kim makes, and she's just putting herself in more jeopardy every time. And this relationship is not getting any better. It's... I don't know why she's sticking around at this point. I don't know why either. It's interesting. I mean, I do know she, you well, know, loves Jimmy for what sure, it's worth, but right. also it's, it's perpetuating bad relationships. I know. I don't want to see yeah. this character go down with him because you know we all know where he ends up. He goes down, and and whatever their relationship is in Breaking Bad, they make it very clear that she is not around in the time of Gene. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that you stick around with him through all of this shit, through all of Breaking Bad, only to ditch him when things get really rough and he has to disappear. I honestly don't see that. I think that something has to break this relationship before Breaking Bad. Yep. Because otherwise, where is she? I agree. Not, and not in the Breaking Bad time, but in the Gene time. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. I keep seeing you making these decisions <laughs> that I tear my hair out and I go, why? <laughs> it's very to keep her in the story because she's one of the most compelling pieces of it. That's she why. is. Certainly. She's great. All right. We move over to Mike reporting to guests uh, about their adventure in the desert, assuming that a Colombian gang attacked them based on their tattoos. Gus calls Juan Bolsa and determines that Juan's the one who hired the gang to keep Lalo in prison, knowing nothing about the war that's brewing between Frey and Salamanca. He tells Mike that they must be flawless from here out, and Mike suggests Nacho be let off his leash because they don't need him anymore. And Gus refuses, calling Nacho a dog that bites every owner he's had. I almost got very angry at this whole tattoo thing. I was worried that this was going to be a major part of the story, like a major clue in the story. Oh. Because it's so stupid and cliche. Uh-huh. It upset me how stupid and cliche it was. I, I thought I was watching a different show for a minute. Mm. But then it ended up just being a, a stepping stone on the path to something yeah. bigger. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that about this show. They don't do a lot of cliffhangers and, and leaving you kind of in the lurch as to what's going to happen. And I've talked about this. Where, like... The difference between a good and a bad cliffhanger is the difference between knowing what happened and thinking about the consequences versus not knowing what happened and trying to guess. And I think Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul are shows that don't really do that latter thing. Um, they they do what, in my opinion, is a much better thing where they give you all the information you need. They tell you what happened and they let you stew in sort of the consequences for all the characters. Mm-hmm. That is so much more interesting to me. And they do that in this episode, right? It's not like Gus gets the tattoo drawn for him and then they cut away yeah. and they wait two <laughs> weeks to bring the tattoo back up on somebody's neck somewhere. Mm-hmm. They just tell you and and then you're left to say, oh, what is Gus going to do to Juan now that he knows? And like, it, it, and they even address that in this scene. Like th- this scene moves so fast and there's so much that's happening here. Yeah. 
but none of it feels forced. It just feels like very smart characters deducing correctly what's going on and taking action based on that. Yeah, and there isn't any of that bringing in another bad guy team at the 11th fucking hour of a show. Yeah. That was that was maybe one of my only complaints about Breaking Bad was bringing in the white supremacists like especially, almost right at the end. Especially after Gus. Yeah. Because Gus is such a great villain and mm-hmm. those neo-Nazis just could not live up to to Gus's uh, spectacle. Yeah. It was it was weird. Yeah, I'll admit that that uh, that villain was not very good. Although that season was outstanding. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just the the villain was not the the good part of it. Where no. before the villain was it, definitely honestly the good Hank part was of kind it. of the villain at that point. But, but that's well, fair. So villain it, protagonist. Yeah. I don't know where you antagonist. St- I think is a better word for it. It yes yes because it very much depends on where you stand with Walt. And I think at that yes. point everyone with Walt was done with Walt. Yeah, he's like, not the hero. He's not the hero of the story, but he was still definitely the protagonist. Certainly, um, and so was Jesse. And Jesse was kind of the hero of the story at that point. And so, when the neo Nazis are torturing him, um, and you know Hank is trying to catch them, <laughs> it's very bad. It is very bad. But my point being, I'm glad that this didn't become a oh here is a Colombian gang that you've never heard of or interacted with at all in the story, and now mm-hmm. they're just in the story. Yeah, in a big way, not just a hired by someone else way yeah um i i was surprised when they started this tattoo thing because i didn't even notice like mike's mike's such a better (laughs) detective than i am Mm -hmm. he to be fair he was a detective for like 30 years he was yeah and he's looking through a scope at these fools and you know he's he's scoping the situation would you say yeah scoping the situation scoping the sitch uh it's interesting to me uh, the tack that Gus takes here. I'm just with calling Mike. the fool. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Um, when Mike mentions that Nacho needs to be let off his leash, uh, and tries to you know dig Nacho out of the hole he's in, mm-hmm. and Gus, you know, is is reluctant to. Um, and Mike says, "You got a gun to his father's head." I don't think fear is a great motivator. And Gus's response here is interesting, where he's just like, ah, no, I'm going to keep using fear as a motivator. Because later in, in Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad yep. uh, I forget exactly when it is. It's like season three sometime. Uh, Gus says this line to Mike. when Well, it's when he's like trying to get Walt to cook again, because Walt uh, has gone through his divorce, or is going in the process of going through a divorce, and he doesn't want to cook. Mm-hmm. he's kind of out and Gus is trying to get him back in the super lab and you you it's just such a like flip on the character and I wonder how much influence Mike has had on Gus like the the right if this is maybe that moment yeah the way Mike operates it. has rubbed off on Gus right because Gus literally says in the the thing that you're mentioning fear is not an effective motivator mm-hmm Dead on opposite, like you said, of what he just said in this scene. And yet, you know, it's a guy who slits the throat of his own man in front of you to keep you motivated to cook, right? Like, right. There are some dualities to Gus here. He's, He's a not... man who keeps a kawadi alive <laughs> right. long after it should be dead uh-huh. just because it stole his fruits or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Gus is a complicated character, and I don't think any one scene should be given like too much weight into, you know, his his inner life, his inner thoughts. It would definitely take more than one 
scene also to convince him of anything. Oh, yeah. So then we go outside uh, Nacho's house, and he's on the phone spilling Lala's escape plan to Gus's crew. Mm-hmm. Not a lot to talk about here. That's yep. just sort of matter of fact what's happening. Then we go to Jimmy waking up next morning, and Kim has called in sick to take care of him. He starts having some flashbacks while Kim is juicing oranges, and they sit down to watch some TV. Uh, but Jimmy's not paying attention. He's haunted by his experience in the desert until he gets a call from a client who he decides to rush out to help even though he's feeling awful. Kim reveals that she knows something bad happened in the desert, but he doesn't really pressure him into telling her right away. So Jimmy tells her that he drank his own piss and he heads out. (laughs) Piss. Peace. I drank my own piss. Peace. As he leaves. (laughs) See what I, yeah, it's in your defense. It was very bad. Kim is trying so hard to, Pretend like things are normal in this scene, and I yeah. think it is just as much for him as it is for her own peace of mind. Yeah, I mean, it's what she did, you know, after Chuck died, like I said. Mm-hmm. It's kind of her her mode of operation. She understands, like, he might just need some time to process things. Uh, it's It's sort of sad because there's later in the episode a scene where Jimmy talks to Mike about this stuff and sort of asks like, when does this get better? How long is this going to be a thing that haunts me? And he says, you're the only person it's fucked up that you're the only person I can talk to. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so many people, whatever. He's not, he's not, he's not. He's he, he just, not. Jimmy's just not letting himself talk to the person who he really needs to talk to. Yeah. He's, he's emotionally constipated and he yeah. doesn't want to, he doesn't want to shit, I guess on his wife. So he goes and well, shits I- on the old man. <laughs> I think it's because he Sorry. feels like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> Mike can take it. it. It feels like he sort of understands that this relationship is on thin ice, you know, mm-hmm. and Kim keeps backing him and keeps backing him. But at some point, how far in do you have to get? How many times do you have to fuck up? How? Because like, look at last episode, what she said to him before he left for the desert. Mm-hmm. Just like, I don't want you to do this. I I don't like this. I don't like this. Yeah. And he went and he did it anyway. And now if he were to say very, very bad things happened, you were totally right. And yet I have no way out of this. I think Kim would be supportive of him. I think and that's she the would fucked still up thing. She would probably have his back, right? Yeah, I think so. I think we have enough evidence. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, the end of this episode, <laughs> we have plenty of evidence that she will back him up. But I think this relationship, like Jimmy simultaneously thinks it's on thin ice while we sort of know that it's getting more and more solid somehow. Somehow, in some fucked up way, yeah. Yeah, as Kim, you know, compromises her soul a little bit more every episode <laughs> to to be with Jimmy for, I don't know, because he's fun and because she's always just been with him and mm-hmm. just a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, so it's a real shame, you know, that he's trying to talk to an emotionally stunted, closed off old codger, <laughs> but he doesn't want to talk to his wife. Also, to be fair, though, Mike does give him really solid advice. I don't oh, know yeah, that yeah. Kim has any, not specifically this kind of PTSD, where Mike definitely knows what this is about. Mike's great at giving advice to other people. He is, and they take it. It's weird. Not so much I at mean, taking his own. Well, they take his advice, but also they twist it to work for them. In really yeah. interesting ways. Yeah, like Walter White and 
True. Everybody he's given advice to. No half measures. Probably the only person who actually took his advice and then got out because of it. Uh, Jesse, right? Yeah. Went to Alaska. Worked out great, as far as we know. All right, Kim goes to work and everything seems to be going smoothly without her. She writes uh, letters to a planning board until she decides that she's... She looks around her office, looks at her trophies, looks at her pictures of pro bono work that she's done and letters from from grateful clients and decides to ask Rich for a meeting. She tells him something that we can't hear, then leaves the office after taking one last look. On the way out, she grabs the Zafiro Añejo cork and arranges the formalities of her quitting her job with her secretary. Very sudden. Very sudden. No notice. Not shocking, though. No. I think something like this definitely shifts. Uh, she's always been kind of on the edge of doing this anyway, mm-hmm. and this just pushed her over the edge. And it's it's funny, and we'll maybe talk about it more when you know her and Jimmy have a confrontation about this <laughs> in the final scene, but... I, I'm trying to determine how much of this is knowing that she doesn't need this job anymore mm-hmm. because Saul, uh, Jimmy, is getting into some very awful but very lucrative work. Did you count how much money was in that bag? I meant to, but then I just I assume it's forgot. the 100000 that Lalo promised him. I could. What were those bundles? Were they 10000 10, or? yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it would be about that uh, based on them handing it back to him at the courthouse. Mm-hmm. I do, I'll do that. What were you? What was your point? Uh, my, <laughs> what was your fucking point? <laughs> but my my point was that just she is sort of enabling herself to quit by allowing her to assume that Jimmy's career, let's say, is going to continue as lucratively as it has in the past or as it currently is. Yeah, I could see that. I also wonder how much of it is conscience based mm-hmm. because the money that. So um, uh, the bigger part of the money that has just come into the household has happened through dirty, dirty means. So mm-hmm. maybe she thinks that by only doing pro bono clients, hmm. somehow her conscience is more clean. She can balance out the exactly the evil the bad with the good with the good being mm-hmm. done in the household. Yeah, you could be right, certainly. Uh, but I do think it's also something that Kim has wanted for a very long time. Um, you go back to that scene where she was discussing i think it's the verdict with that judge mm-hmm. uh, and how she wanted to be atticus finch or whoever like yeah. is, you know defending the people and justice and all that stuff and she has gotten a small taste of that but still her work keeps her from from really doing as much of that as she wants and now she sort of has an opportunity like jimmy i don't think jimmy's ever not made money but he's also I don't think he's made nearly as much as Kim has made. Also, this. he's probably blown all the money that he's ever made. Doesn't sure, seem like he's yeah. mm, great with money. No, keeping it. I mean, he does. He does have a stash in better in Breaking Bad. Well, yeah, but Jesus, that's it's after he spends twenty four hours in a desert. We know now. And yeah, yeah, probably taught him a lot. It's run money. It's run money, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like her grabbing this Zafiro on Yeo cork. It's. It sort of, you know, tells you what side she's on. Like the one thing that she cares to personally grab from her office so that it doesn't get thrown out is not not the photo of the the pro bono client. It's not her awards. It's not any of that stuff. It's this cork, which means so much to her and Jimmy's relationship. And mm-hmm. also to the scamming 
part of that relationship, right? This this yeah. is a memento from their time as uh, Genevieve or whoever the fuck, whatever her name. Victor with a K Victor and Giselle. K. Giselle, yes. What did you call her? Geneva? Genevieve. 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 Uh, yeah, it, it just tells. it tells you, right? Like where she's putting her eggs. Which basket? The Jimmy basket. And the like the illegal side of the Jimmy basket. Yeah. You know, it's not the cell phone. Uh, it's not the burner phone speed dial side of the basket. It's the cartel side of the basket. It is. It's an expensive tequila. Mm-hmm. If it were real, I should say. And we have a whole post on that. <laughs> it's very popular on baldmove.com. Right. All right, let's move to Lalo telling Hector that he's leaving the country, but he's also going to keep working on Underbinding Gus from there, and Tuga will be out of prison in a few months to run the operations in the States. <laughs> he he has this delusion that Tuga's going to stay clean. <laughs> Hilarious. <Yeah. laughs> uh, Nacho picks up Lalo, and they head to the border with Victor following out too far behind. I feel like Lalo is, toward the end of the scene, we see him be genuinely upset at the state that his... Hmm. uncle is in yeah and then having to leave him there in yeah. that state like not I, having a choice you know part of him coming up is not simply to run the operations i think part of him coming up is to uh protect and and be with hector and say goodbye to him yeah yeah they clearly have a bigger relationship they ha- had a bigger relationship behind the scenes than we realized mm-hmm. um early on and so every scene like this where, you know, they're joking and laughing and talking about the good old days and stuff, you sort of get a lot of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's exposition weirdly because he's talking to a man who can't really respond. But he is responding. He's just, he's responding with his face instead of his yeah, words 90, and his breathing. 98% lips. Breathing. 98% breathing. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we should do a whole podcast just breathing and dinging bells. That'd be great. Who's the audience for that? Us? <laughs> yeah. Not even us. You? Me. It's just me. <laughs> it's I'm just fine you. with that. Uh, speaking of ridiculous things, this birthday hat on Hector oh, is God. so silly and, and so amazing. Face. I don't have a lot of sympathy for this character, but even even this character, when I see him making that face, and he's clearly he's upset about what's happening. He's scared for the future <laughs> of his of his business and his family. Uh huh. It's heartbreaking, but also kind of hilarious. This is like the perfect hell for a man like this. Um, it is. You know, Gus has put him in a place that... It's demoralizing. Uh, yeah. I mean, it couldn't it couldn't be a more one-to-one kawati. It's a slap to the ego every waking mm-hmm. second of his day. And this is a man who's driven by ego. Ooh, like yeah. he's, he's an ego machine. Mm-hmm. And now he's stuck in this hell. Uh, and here Lalo has to abandon him to that hell. And it's sort of sad in a way. Like if I cared about Hector at all, like if I didn't <laughs> think Hector was the scum of the earth. And, and didn't maybe deserve this level of cruelty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I would look at this and I would I would be sad for Hector. I'm not. I still I'm not am. sad for Hector. Man, I still I'm a tiny bit sad for Hector. Oh, I'll be real with you. You get I what seeing, you deserve. I know, but I hate seeing anybody hurting. I don't like seeing people hurting. Well, then Hector needs to be in a place like this because he hurts a lot of people. It's true. I yeah. know. Uh, but they are leaving him in his, his own personal hell. Yep. Which is fantastic. So then Saul loses his case. Uh, 
I, I don't know if this is the same case that he got a call about. I assume it is. I assume um, it is too, which means Kim accused him of lying about where he was going for no reason. But to be yeah. fair, why would she think anything else? Yeah, at this point, I mean, he's lying. He's obviously lying to her about something. Right. Uh, but yeah, Saul loses that case and petty with a prior, as I call him, chases him <laughs> down the hall, insulting his performance. This fucking guy. This guy's whole thing is a performance to be insulted. And yet he has the mm-hmm. balls to chase Saul down a hallway. Kick a man when he's I mean, it's it's comeuppance, right? Like, it is. This guy's been getting shit on. You, you remember that scene where he, you know, created this fiasco in the halls of the courthouse with mm-hmm. the film crew and then just ambushed made this guy. Yeah. yeah, made him look like an idiot with the lettuce from his sandwich hanging out of his mouth or whatever <laughs> it was. This guy looks like a jackass and is the butt of the joke so many times. So it's a little bit of comeuppance here, but also uh, be a, be a better winner. Be a better winner and also have better survival instincts. This is a man yeah. who's on the edge and everything about his... I know he's not in a fighting mood currently, but also he has been known to throw bowling balls at people's cars and <laughs> shit true. in them and that, send that hookers petty to with their the, lunches. Petty with the Pryor's car is not worth bowling ball. He doesn't it's, know. It, it's not point. worth $75, <laughs> even at three for, for the price. Is it better than the... Oh, God. What's that stupid car called? The one that's dead now the in esteem? the desert? The Esteem. Oh, it's just as bad, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Just as bad. My point being, this is the wrong bear to poke. He has no survival <laughs> right. instincts. Yeah. The, fuck this guy. Uh, okay, let's move on. <laughs> after Saul is picked up, afterward, Saul's picked up by Mike, who tells him there will be a moment when he stops thinking about the events in the desert. Um, and after some navel gazing from Saul over the morality and purpose and lasting impact of what they're doing uh you know Saul ends up dissatisfied with Mike's answers um but what are you gonna do I, I mean Saul, is no... this is the first time Saul's encountered a feeling like this whereas Mike has done it a few times in his life and also it's different with everybody these these weird these mental things there is no definitive answer to give yeah, I, I like this scene a lot, though. Um, Mike always seems to have a piece of advice for someone and, uh, you know, who comes to him with a problem. He's he's either been there, done that, or he understands what they're going through. Now, Mike has a really hard time, especially when it comes to the emotional baggage of these types of events with processing and dealing with that emotion. Yeah, no, he's great with other people's shit. He's terrible right. with his own shit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but here it's it's interesting because we get to see the the sort of hard won battle, the the hard won emotional battle and the lesson that Mike has learned mm-hmm. is coming directly from his uh, processing and dealing with the the death of his son, right? He's the veteran of the show, absolutely. Yeah, it's coming from Stacy. Um, like all the the things that she has been telling him now come back here in this scene and he's having to tell them to Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's, it's really good writing. It's something, it's a character who, you know, could be one dimensional and be just as cool, but seeing, you know, the inner life of that character makes him so much more rich. It does it makes him a lot more sympathetic, just understanding where he's coming from mm-hmm. a little better. And just the fact that he gives really solid advice. This is what a therapist would yeah. tell you. And I like 
Breaking Bad. Um, I like Mike in Breaking Bad, but here he's given so much more opportunity to be a real character instead mm-hmm. of just the fixer. Right. Um, and, and I think that's pretty rewarding. And, and it will probably be even more rewarding in subsequent watches of Breaking Bad. Because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the stuff they're doing in this episode goes directly back to Breaking Bad. We talked a little bit about it uh, earlier. We'll talk about it a little more here in a bit. But yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with what they've done with Mike and his emotional journey. Because I honestly, coming out of Breaking Bad, I didn't think I needed it. And mm-hmm. I didn't think we'd get any of it. The other thing I wanted to say about this scene is that I think there's more to what Saul is asking here. It's not just about um, the fear that he feels, I think, you know, from the events in the desert and and sort of like, not, not the fear, but like the, the emotional hit that he's taken after seeing so many people gunned down in front of him mm-hmm. and being scared out of his wits. It's also a question that you could reasonably see Nacho asking, when will this be over? Like, they're both in with the cartel at this point and And neither of them really want to be. Yeah. And I think he's also simultaneously asking, how long is this relationship with the cartel (laughs) going to last if I stop, if I try and stop it and back out of it now? Yeah. And I don't. I don't think Mike answers that question. Maybe that's maybe I'm reading too much into this scene. I think he indirectly answers it. I think. Oh, he, you think so? Yeah, he basically says you made these choices that led you down this road. This road does not stop until you are dead. Okay. Basically. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's absolutely correct. You mm-hmm. know, Nacho's not getting out of this. Uh, yeah, I don't even see a path out for Nacho. Like he can try and run, mm-hmm. let the cartel's operations on the Salamanca side wither and die. But does he really think they won't be looking for him, that there won't be consequences of like there are consequences of a life on the run anyway. Like it's the number one reason I would never be a criminal (laughs) and I I would never do something so bad. The police or a gang or somebody would be after me is because I don't have to look over my fucking shoulder for the rest of my life. Every second of every day of the rest of your life. That eats you from the inside. And like even if you feel like you're safe. And you've gotten away from these people. You're never actually safe. You're so, constantly going to be on edge. It's a one-way ticket to living in a cave in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Just don't. Just and still don't. not feeling safe. And still not feeling safe. Yeah. Be worried about <laughs> gangster bats and shit. Gangster yeah. bats. I mean, running is not the solution. And and I think Nacho knows that. And you're stuck in this thing. Yep. Until they want you out. And in that case, they might just kill you. Mm-hmm. That might be your path out. Which is not a path out at all. No, but past a certain point, it might be a relief. Could be. All right, Nacho and Lalo drive south to the well. Lalo tells Nacho to leave him there, but then changes his mind and, and instead tells Nacho to take him up the road where they find Saul's car, most definitely destroyed, but not broken down the way that Saul described it. Uh, having been lied to, Lalo head back, heads back to the ABQ. Bullet holes, man. All about those damn bullet holes in this episode. You, you were noticing bullet holes in this scene? He was noticing bullet holes. He I, really... was, I couldn't notice anything except for that jump. Uh, okay. I see what <laughs> the you're doing. only thing I it could was, notice yeah. is the 50 foot leap off the cliff and the very heavy thunk. Yes. And the. the... <laughs> it was good. It's amazing. It's, I liked it. it the way they're Lalo. portraying Lalo as this smooth Latin <laughs> criminal with cat like. <laughs> 
cat like acrobatic skills it's it's amazing like watching him climb into the roof into the ceiling of that uh travel wire it was place. completely ridiculous but also it was so satisfying to watch and this jump you're right is not any different it's the same yeah like of course I did not he would just take him. the oh i knew as soon as he was standing on the edge i'm like this fucker is gonna and really? he did. yeah because that's well for looked, one thing it's what i would do but also yeah it looked like too big of a jump to me <laughs> you would jump that oh, yeah i think so Christ, i might have jumped that 20 years ago <laughs> too old for that shit now uh but he's You're, not he's older than you i no, think i know yeah he most certainly is he's in much better shape that's for mm-hmm. sure gotcha but yeah holy shit. Knees. he's a cat he's a cat he's a He's a thick cat, but he's a cat. Thick? Yeah, he's like thickly a, muscled, maybe. Like a like a jaguar or something. Okay. Not a, yeah. Not a kitty cat. Sorry. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> not a common house cat, you know, like a jungle cat, like a thick one. Okay. <laughs> That's my point. I guess let's please move on from this moment. <laughs> I need to go. <laughs> uh how do we move on i've i've lost all train of thought i have too i'm just you were talking about, about bullet holes cats now yeah he was looking through he looked through a bullet hole mm-hmm. in the car and the bullet hole in the mug looked back oh <sighs> yeah it did but also there was a bullet hole in the mug earlier in the episode mm-hmm. so bullet holes that was my point yeah uh bullet holes are connecting pieces and maybe we'll talk about that later mm-hmm uh, but yeah, this was a fantastic scene and this is akin to some of the stuff they did, you know, in earlier scenes that was a little bit, uh, little indulgent, but I in really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yep. Indulgent for a reason. Yeah. They took their time. Um, I wouldn't call this scene indulgent. I would just say it was, it was appropriately paced. No, no, no. I didn't mean that. I meant the, I the, the leap. The oh. leap is indulgent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was indulged. <laughs> deeply indulged all right kim gets home and finds jimmy recovering in bed fully clothed he asks her for food and insists he's okay and with some prompting she tells jimmy the news that she quit her job and gave up her clients jimmy questions her about it and explains that uh or she explains that she realized what was important in her life jimmy thinks she's lost her mind and calls this a bad choice road the title of the episode kim points out that he did the same thing by becoming saul goodman the audacity of this man who just spent 24 mm-hmm. hours in the desert doing a very stupid, dangerous thing to tell her that she is making the wrong choice. What jerk. Yes. I mean, that's the number one thing going through my head in the first half of this scene. Yeah. There's a second half we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just so hypocritical. Deeply hypocritical. What the hell? How could you how can you still be this hypocritical after what you just went through? <laughs> and I. Like these are the moments. These are the moments where I go, "What the fuck are you doing, Kim?" Yeah, what's your what's your game, man? You're living with a dishonest hypocrite, a liar, a, a criminal. How can you just? How can you even just on a baseline day to day basis put up with a person like that? And a, a scumbag. Like he's sleazy. <laughs> he's a he's a crook in the worst way possible. Like he's petty, rough. small yeah. time bullshit. Yeah, ugh. Alex, <laughs> oh, all just gets worse you and worse. Flipped. I yeah, it, but it's only because Kim's you know In feeling the consequences. Too, yeah. it's, if this was anybody else, if if Price was getting hurt by this, if mm-hmm. you know uh, Mr. X was getting hurt by this, I'd be cheering Saul on right. and saying, "Go Saul!" Not go, somebody Saul. that you cared about so much. Yeah, yeah. It's because Kim should know better. Kim should be out of this relationship, and I She's keep so smart. 
wanting her out of it. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing you have to remember is Kim is not totally innocent in this. There, There is a little bit of hypocrisy from her side, too, because, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if you remember this, but in season two, there was, speaking of Price, there was a whole thing where Jimmy <laughs> created a video where Price sat in a pie <laughs> called the Squat Cobbler. Oh, yes. Uh, and he did that to to get him out of trouble, to say, oh, yeah, you know, he's, he's not a bad guy. He just, he's a pervert. He falsified evidence, yeah. Yeah. Um, and And Kim calls him on that. And Mm -hmm. she says in that episode, why would you risk the best job you've ever had for some pro bono case? Because she, he told her like, oh, this was a pro bono thing. It wasn't, it wasn't my main client, Davis and main thing. And she gets up his ass about that here in this scene. He's doing the same thing to her. Mm -hmm. And so there is a little bit of hypocrisy in Kim, but it's also character growth. I think like Kim at that time was very much all about her career. Like Mm -hmm. that was her number one focus and anything that got in the way of that, including Jimmy, because Jimmy, you know, made some decisions that looked bad for her, reflected badly on her. And she ripped him a new one for that. Yeah. And stopped talking to him for a while. Yep. Um, So this is like, this is good character growth, in my opinion, not necessarily hypocrisy. Whereas Jimmy, (laughs) Jimmy's doing this a week after you know, he's he's calling her on shit that, yeah, mm-hmm. it's With, it's not even a week after. It's a day after, two days day. after, maybe. Uh, one, maybe two. Yeah, it's crazy. But mm-hmm. also just, it's funny with Kim's whole, her gradual acceptance of more criminal aspects playing a part, a role in her life. It's funny how even when you, you, tipped it, you tiptoe down a certain road, like, you still end up a few miles down the road. Yeah. After time, mm-hmm. you're going to end up in that in that bad place no matter what, even if you're doing yeah. it slowly, which mm-hmm. is what is happening. What's been happening? She's just been accepting a little bit more, just a little bit more crime, just a little bit more. Yeah, he's he's boiling her frog. <laughs> no innuendo intended. <laughs> what? I don't know what innuendo I, would be. I don't know. Oh, you. I. It's gross. We can move on. Yeah, he's he's boiling the frog, so boiling to speak. Boiling the frog, yes. He has been boiling the frog for five seasons. And if he were to throw her into a pot of hot water, uh, you know, and she was not prepared for it and not, like, inching toward it, it probably would have scared her off by now. But he's not. He's he's slowly dipping her into the cesspool. And, and here we are now in the cesspool. Mm-hmm. We're in it. Okay, second half of this scene, uh, Mike calls up Jimmy and has him keep him on the phone while he talks with Lalo, who was, has just shown up at their front door to talk about what happened in the desert over and over again until he gets the truth. Mike waits outside with a rifle train on Lalo. Lalo reveals that he found his car with bullet holes in it and Kim steps in to stand up for Jimmy, which works and Lalo leaves and heads back to Mexico, but with a slight change of plans which we don't quite know uh, exactly. So maybe I'm contradicting myself here in this episode where I said, oh, Better Call Saul doesn't do this. <laughs> they do it. Uh, but I think the most important thing here is <sighs> Kim and Jimmy. Mm-hmm. They're, like, I, they're fully in it now. And I, I, I don't see a path out for either of them. 
I love how when they are sitting on the sofa, it's like they're in a courtroom where Jimmy or Saul, whatever you want to call him, is the, what do you call him, the suspect? Yeah. And Kim is the defen- defense attorney and mm. Lalo is the prosecutor. It's exactly what this feels like. It has that exact same energy. Yeah. And then it ends up being true. She ends up defending him mm-hmm. in court, in the court of the living room. Yeah. Kitchen court. Yeah, it's spectacular, but... Uh, <laughs> but terrifying. And the, also, the why slide. are you doing this? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's good that she did this in this moment. It's probably better than the alternative, but... Yeah, I mean, the alternative was probably... But she's even more in it now. He respects her more after this. Lalo does. Mm-hmm. You can see it on his face. It's yeah, like, she's no longer just the blonde with the ponytail, right? Yep. Which is the story of Kim. Like, she's always been the blonde with the ponytail, which... You know, not not quite taken as seriously as maybe she would if she were not the blonde woman with the ponytail. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and her proving over and over again that 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 outward appearance that that judging her by her cover is complete a complete mistake. Even within this scene, yeah, he is dismissive of her uh-huh. in the beginning. He literally shushes her <laughs> at right. one point, but by the end, he is he is looking at her. He sees her mm-hmm. with his. Sharp eyes that he only puts on men usually. I was gonna say, which could be good or bad, depending. Like, yeah, she <laughs> she is being taken seriously now. It's good but... in the sense that she got him out of there. Yeah, but it's bad in the sense that he sees her now. She's on his radar. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's usually a bad thing for mm-hmm. most people. Uh, there is a a moment of levity in the scene where you know Saul's describing over and over again how it happened, and he says. I had to drink my own pee, and then Lava looks over at Kim and is like, yeesh. <laughs> just like in his way. Yeah. Like, it's a super serious moment, and he's just like making a joke in the middle of it. I, it's great. Uh, yeah, yeah Tony his, character, his character is smiling mouth and piercing eyes, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are some of the best actors on television right now yes. in this scene. Ray Seahorn, Bob Odenkirk, mm-hmm. Tony Dalton, they're fantastic god just seeing her the last second or two of her staring him down after she finishes her like ripping him a new one Uh, basically and telling him hey maybe pay attention to your own fucking house before you come into my house (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's beautiful she is brilliant and fierce Mm -hmm. and terrified we see her literally shaking yeah when he does leave she's so scared but also god Oh, beautiful. Amazing. And big crush. Bob Odenkirk does a great job too, uh, playing this rock and hard, uh, hard place situation that he's got. Mm-hmm. Cause like he's stuck here. What's he going to do? He, he can't tell all of the truth because Mike's on the phone and Mike will report to Gus and Gus yep. will kill him. Yep. He can't not tell all of the truth because all is in his living room. And if he doesn't get the answer that he wants, right. he'll kill him. He's stuck. There's no way out. And Kim is literally the only thing that gets him out of this scene alive, I think. I think it's really impressive also. I It's almost like he's read up on how to be a good liar because he tells the same story a different way every time right. where Lalo is obviously trying to either en- just get the truth. Right? Yeah, yeah tr- entrap him. Basically, like, okay, are you going to change part of your story mm-hmm. that doesn't match anymore? Or are you going to use the same phrasing for the story every single time. Right, is this something you rehearsed or is this an experience you had? And he goes out of his way to change it up every single time. And it's just, it's why Bob Odenkirk has done such a great job of playing this character. Mm -hmm. He's, he 
understands this character, I think. I um, think so too. And it's a shame that they don't do the the insider podcast a little more timely in a more timely way because like I, I get the impression that by the time they're doing those insider podcasts, it's been months since the actors have played these characters. Like mm-hmm. you, you look at them. Mm-hmm. Shit, I can't think of his name. The guy who plays Howard. Um, he he seems to to understand his character pretty well, but Bob Odenkirk has like some trouble recalling oh exactly what scenes they're talking about because it's been months and he's done other jobs and right. he's got a life that's that's going on. And so when he talks about it, it's like it it it's just unfortunate that it's not closer to the filming of it, so he could have like more insight into what the character's thinking in any given scene. Mm-hmm. Uh. But I, I do think that he's done a fantastic job playing, you know, Jimmy and Saul and Gene. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a moment in the scene where Jimmy offers to, I guess, give Lala the money back as some kind of like, oh, no, I, wa- I want out of this if you if the yeah, money is the motivator. It's that easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just grasping at straws. And that is the moment that Kim gets up off the couch and comes to his defense. I think she's remembering the thermos with a bullet hole in it yeah and that, that is sense. gonna that would be bad right because then the story the idea that oh it happened they must have shot it up afterward is mm-hmm. totally Which false she hasn't delivered yet but she could already be have been formulated you could say oh no you know that bullet hole got there in some other way <laughs> uh i was i shot that i have a dangerous job yeah. in case you haven't noticed I shot that because I'm the first best lawyer, not the second. Mm-hmm. I like to have exactly three quarters cup of coffee. No more, no less. <laughs> right. And drink and from I like a to drink from the side. side of my book. I like to shotgun my coffee every morning. Yes. <laughs> All right. Last thing I really wanted to talk about here is Nacho. Um, we were hoping Mike was going to be able to get Nacho out of the situation that he's in, but now he's headed to Mexico with a very pissed off Lalo who decides he's going somewhere else you know he's had a change of plans he's not going back to just live out his life in peace the way he was before now he's going back with a purpose what what do you think is up with that and he says something ominous he's like come on go we got a long way ahead of us yeah i my every instinct is telling me that he is going to set up a meeting with don eladio okay that makes a certain amount of sense he's going straight to the the head of the snake, basically, because mm-hmm. Kim has instilled in him the the realization that she was kind of right. He doesn't. He didn't have anybody else. He couldn't trust his own guys. Yeah. And why would that be the case? And none of his guys that he's dealing with have enough clout to hire hitmen, probably. Yeah, I'm wondering if maybe the exception, though, in his mind, might be Nacho. Um, y- yeah. You know, when you start questioning the the organization and the loyalty of your people mm-hmm. um and yeah why couldn't why wouldn't he have uh, you know he told saul that as much when saul was like can you get somebody else to do this he said nacho might run off with my money right indicating he doesn't trust nacho and mm-hmm. so he's got to be looking at least at nacho here um especially because the whole idea of this plot is to keep him in prison mm-hmm. and if nacho's on the outside running things and you know, this $7 million might have been tempting. Well, clearly that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the cartel money. Nacho could be gunning for bigger money. You know, not, Nacho could be gunning for the entire run of the Salamanca operation. At least that's got to be what's going through Lala's head right now. 
Yeah, the Nacho fair. set this up, and so I honestly think even if he does go to Don Eladio, he's also going to be looking at Nacho, and perhaps we might <laughs> we might lose Nacho that's by the kind end of, of this season. Man, that's kind of my fear. I'm not going to lie. I'm way more worried about Nacho than I am Kim at the at moment. Th- at this point, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, you know, Kim's not well. <laughs> I was going to say Kim's not in the car with a crazy person. Wrong. She's wrong. in a relationship. She's been in a relationship with a slightly crazy person for a long time. Right. Uh, yeah, but Nacho is in, in very clear danger in my mind. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, because directly of the things Kim said in this final scene. Absolutely. So My, my two favorite characters throwing each other under the bus. You hate to see it. <laughs> But also you love to see it. But also Makes you for love good to drama. see it. Oh, also, I didn't even think about this till just now. The the way that's final scene, the confrontation between Kim and Jimmy and Lalo mm-hmm. is set up. We have all of our main characters of the show with within the same oh, housing I, complex. There's I'm, Mike. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Howard. You're not a main character of this show. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> Shame on you. He's not. I'm sorry. He's not who we care about right now. You're right. You're right. It's it's Mike in his sniper's perch. Mm-hmm. It's Nacho in his car. And it's Lalo and Kim and Jimmy in the apartment. Yeah, absolutely. It's all of them. All the major, sorry, the major players. Is that better? <laughs> I get you. The ones you. who are moving things. Okay, so let's talk about Mike in this scene because we haven't okay. mentioned him at all. And he's outside right. with a sniper rifle trained on the window of this apartment. Mm-hmm. Is Mike there solely to handle Lalo if things go south? Or do you think there is a potential for Mike to handle anybody who gets in this situation? I I think he was just waiting to see who he needed to shoot. Yeah? Yeah, I don't think it was just Lalo. I okay. think he would have easily shot Saul if he felt like he needed to. I think he would have tried to take them all out if, if Saul spilled the beans. Yeah, I mean, witnesses, loose ends. I mean, it makes me wonder how Gus would have explained that to the cartel. Like, oh, yeah, Saul was at this random guy's house and got sniped through the window. Mm -hmm. Well, he's a fixer, right? He would be able to do something, I'm sure. He might be able to cover it up. To cover it up, yeah. But, yeah, I was definitely thinking he was going to shoot anybody who strayed from whatever he deemed the appropriate path. Yeah, and this was very much a last-ditch sort of thing. This was not his first choice. Okay, that is it for the episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's get into feedback. If you have some feedback that you'd like to send on our discussions of Better Call Saul, you can do so at bettercallsaul at baldmove.com, where we will mine the mailbag for things to talk about each week. And first up this week is Joshua, who wants to talk about last week's discussion. Said you were both questioning last week what Paige's role was within Mesa Verde. I was watching season two, episode nine, Nailed, in which Jimmy switches the number in the filing for Mesa Verde and Chuck gets embarrassed in court. 
In that hearing, Chuck introduces Paige as Mesa Verde's senior counsel. Something I wanted to know from the both of you. When watching the show, Jamie said last week's episode was not as groundbreaking as everyone made it out to be. Do you feel that is because you are watching this with the lens that Breaking Bad does exist and you know where all the characters end up? And could that be taking away from your enjoyment of the show in any way? Uh, yes, certainly. I, I think prequels are inherently tougher to do um, with any stakes, with any drama, than an entirely new story where you don't know the outcomes. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't I don't think that's why I thought last week's episode was not groundbreaking. I, I just simply didn't see the huge stakes in it. But it, but yes, you're right. I mean, it does it does shade my enjoyment of this, certainly. But I think I, I will caveat that by saying I think Better Call Saul has done it remarkably well. Absolutely. And, this has been one of the most entertaining prequels I have ever seen. Easily. Of anything ever. Yeah. Because they have managed to still insert a lot of drama into the story. Mm-hmm. Partly by introducing new characters, but also by focusing more on the journey, the the means to the ends, as yeah. opposed to just the ends. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Alex writes in and says, I love the way the writers established Kim's behavior pattern for being in the middle of a lie. Rich tells Kim that he knows her and Jimmy are up to something with Mesa Verde. She explodes at him in front of the office with the modern equivalent of a glove slap. <laughs> Same scenario where Lalo knows Jimmy is lying and she knows Jimmy is lying. She doubles down, establishing the dominant position and making him feel like an idiot for having his suspicions in the first place. Uh, also, after this episode, I'm starting to see a real reality where Jimmy and Kim are still married during Breaking Bad. Ooh, okay. Now, uh, maybe Saul is even a facade that Jimmy wipes away at the end of each day to come home to Kim <laughs> and be Jimmy again. Maybe she is still helping him behind the scenes. Maybe laser tag was her idea. <laughs> it's the grease paint. And Saul is grease paint. Yeah, just wiping it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to talk too much because we have talked, you know, a lot about whether Kim's going to be around in Breaking Bad. Yeah, it's one of the stuff. biggest questions of even, the end of this series. And even in this episode, we talked about it. Um, but... Yeah, the the reaction that Kim has to being caught in a lie. Um, or may, maybe not even caught in a lie, but just being, yeah, centered inside of the, the orb of a lie, the sphere of influence of a lie. Being suspected. Yeah. Is, is interesting. She does tend to take charge. She's not the kind of person to sit back and sort of let a situation play out. She grabs that situation by the horns and tells it where to go. Mm-hmm. Which probably makes her a good lawyer. Uh also makes her uh, able to keep to shield Jimmy from the consequences of his actions sometimes. Often, I would say. Right. All right. Moving on to Maria, who has a couple questions uh, that she wants our thoughts on. <laughs> How the hell did Lalo not break an ankle or something when the cat jumped onto the dead esteem? Why didn't he just climb down? Climb? You want this man to climb down? Does this man look like a climber to you? He's a jumper. You think he it's never skips leg day so that he can <laughs> climb down? No. <laughs> just giving you a hard time. It was amazing, though. I mean, that's that's who Lalo is. He's the sort of supernaturally agile uh, 40-something gangster. Also, if you scoop into your landing, you have less... There is a... Much smaller chance of you actually hurting any of your leg bits, which he did. Oh, so. I, I fully believe the stuntman made this jump. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think totally. this was faked. I don't think it was as high. Also, as it looked. Yeah, it was probably only like ten feet. No, they they were shooting it at a 
at an angle to make it make it look more dramatic than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Maria continues. Do you think Mike was there at the end to protect Jimmy or to make sure Jimmy didn't tell Allah what really happened? Little of both. Little of both. Yep. Depending on how the situation played out. Absolutely. Uh, here's one for you. I don't know why. I'm just giving it to you. <laughs> okay. Uh, why is Lalo using Nachi? Nachi? <laughs> <laughs> why is Lalo using Nacho as a taxi? I mean, can't this guy get his own ride? Yeah. Maybe he doesn't want to be get his own ride. Do you mean his own car? He definitely doesn't want to be seen, probably. I mean, his own car. He definitely has his own car. He's roaring around a racetrack in it. He's following Mike mm-hmm. in it. Like this, this guy definitely drives himself. But like most of the time, I imagine like if you're Warren Buffett, if you're Bill Gates, if you're Elon Musk, you're probably not driving yourself around. No, I think she has a fair point though. We have anytime we've seen Lalo in a car, it's been his own car. Yeah, fair. maybe it's an impound still. Oh, right. Yeah. Right, it would be. I seriously doubt they'd give him back that piece of evidence. Yeah, big evidence. Before the trial. So, yeah, you're you're absolutely right on that. He does not have a car. He could go buy another car. He could very easily buy another car. But he loves that car. Probably has really specific tastes in car, too. It's not like he's going to oh, just yeah. fucking get a beige Aztec and call it a day. <laughs> or a maroon Buick or Lincoln, whatever the hell that is. Uh, okay, final question from Maria. Do you think Lala believed what Kim said, and do you think the finale, the in the finale, that that will come back to bite her and or Jimmy? No, I don't think he believed her, but I think she established enough doubt in his own organization that he realized that there are bigger fish to chase to to hold a gun to. Yeah, and sometimes you know, just casting doubt on something is enough to make whatever rash decision or whatever rash action you were going to take a little too much of a gamble. Yeah. Um, Yeah, she shifted the odds is what she did. Which is what Jimmy does all the time. And it's what lawyers do all the time. I Mm -hmm. mean, 90% of what lawyers do is try and shade things in a direction of guilt or innocence. And uh, especially, you know, during jury trials, um, they're simply trying to convince somebody of something or... You know, Throw beyond a reasonable doubt, doubt they're yeah, throwing exactly. enough doubt in the situation where the correct choice is not obvious. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what she does so effectively in this scene. You know, do you do you really want to add to the body pile um, when you're a man on the run who just paid seven million dollars for Bailey's going to skip? The cops are going to be looking for you. Do you want to pile on more more shit? And she you're in the middle of a cartel war. Exactly. Like, yeah. And she managed to attack his ego in exactly the the right way. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really great writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to John. It says, wow, just wanted to write in and say this was the best episode of the season. So much tension. The pacing was outstanding. Edge of my seat the entire time. Raise your hand if you thought there was a chance Mike would shoot Lalo and accidentally kill Kim. <laughs> Were you thinking that? No. When she was stepping in front of him? Nah, you weren't. No, I wasn't no. either. No, I know that they're going to, it's going to be way worse than this when it happens, if it does happen. Yeah. I, I mean, it would have been like shocking, but that's like, that's the kind of shocking that The Walking Dead goes for. It's a cheap trick. It yeah. is. It, and it and once you pulled that trick, there's no taking it back. Like, yep. you can't shoot her in the head. To build all and, of this and then just have that happen. That's yeah. also, I will say, a little bit Game of Thrones. Late season Game of Thrones. Yeah. 
Well, cheap, it's also some things cheap. that people like about Game of Thrones. Like the Red Wedding is the surprisingness kind of, it, of yeah. that sure. in a nutshell. Um, but so I guess you can do it. You can, but also it, I don't know that it would match the tone of the rest of the show. No, this show very much is about personal drama. Yeah. And I don't, uh, unless, you, unless you've decided that season six is going to be about Jimmy dealing with the death of Kim. I was going to say, I when Kim dies, it will be beca- it will be because she has nothing else to offer to the story. Yeah, and right now and she definitely she has does so much. We just we are just now seeing this full side of her personality that mm-hmm. somehow weirdly leaning into the con shit. And we, I need to see more of it. I know you don't want to see it, but I kind of do want to see well, it. Well, I mean, I, I definitely I want to see how dark she can get. She yeah, dark th- lady. This- yes. <laughs> This path that she's on, uh, it's 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 on a trajectory downward, right? Like this is oh yeah, these things that she's doing are not good, mm-hmm. and I feel like just shooting her right now when things are really heating up and and she's it really would be such like a waste. Yeah, yeah, they they can't do that. No. Th- this show doesn't do that. Other shows might and can, but they would they would have they would have a very specific reason for doing that mm-hmm. within the context of their own show. But this doesn't feel like that show. Uh, but I'll admit, I was like, oh, she's not standing in a good spot there. But it was more from like the perspective of, of if Mike. Mike needs to take this shot, exactly. is he going to be able to? That's Because I, I don't think thinking. Mike would have shot through Kim, even accidentally. I don't think he would have taken a shot that was risky. Mike is not a man of risk. Because what if he misses? Then he's just alerted Lalo that someone's out to kill him. Like the, the jig is up, right? Also, somebody might be screaming because their shoulder got clipped instead of them just straight up being killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be messy. He's yeah, not, too, too messy, messy for Mike. Exactly. You're right. Uh, all right, Craig says, although I don't think this is a big story point yet, I had a very different instant take to fuel the uh, to the fuel cap removal. The trackers used in Breaking Bad were pretty bulky, so I never thought about it being inside a fuel cap. I took the fuel cap removal as a silent disguised message to Gus Fring that Mike was okay, and he was the one who pushed the car into the ditch and had to go to plan B. So uh, assuming that like when... Gus's guys showed up to find Mike to see mm-hmm. where he was that they would find the car and, and see they the would see the gas cap missing. missing and go oh Mike's the only one who knew about that he's the only one who would take it yeah uh, therefore Mike must still have been alive after this event that's a fun idea I hadn't thought about that yeah it makes a certain amount of sense um, and we really didn't see that come back I, I yeah. guess the the thing that I'm assuming now is that Mike grabbed that gas cap so that it wouldn't be found by anybody mm-hmm and, you know, in a shitty car like that, you can just assume that the gas cap was missing long before <laughs> that event. Sure. Uh, but Greg continues, I actually like this as it showed the small details which Gus and Mike operate in. Having just watched episode nine, it currently appears that nothing comes of it. However, we did not see the full examination of the car. And I wonder if Lalo is clever enough to have found this and realized the code and what was afoot here. So, you know, perhaps... Lalo has a hint. Um, I think the bullet holes are much more obvious. They definitely visually drew our attention to the bullet holes. Yeah, and and maybe something comes back about that. You know, the the gas cap being missing, but I'm pretty sure it won't. But we'll have to we'll have to see what next episode brings. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't come back next episode, you it know, this is in contradiction to all that rice and cigarette and you know, Lily the Valley stuff I was talking about earlier. <laughs> Your but whole spiel. This, yep. this doesn't seem like one of those things to me. It doesn't seem like that to me either. But I could be wrong. We could both be wrong. 
All right, moving on to Tom. With Jimmy's feet close up this week <laughs> and Lalo's last week, what's now a string of feet shots this season? I'm done with it. Peter Gould and Tino. <laughs> if for anybody who doesn't know, Quentin Tarantino got a thing for feet. Uh, he says Peter Gould and Tino needs to cut it out. Unless it's brilliant foreshadowing. My bold prediction is that a main character violently loses a foot. Maybe Howard drops a bowling ball on his foot. Maybe Lala's cooking and lets go of his knife a little too early. Maybe Kim, I don't know, has secret diabetes or something. Either way, someone's foot is going down and the whole show will be all the better for it. I mean, sure. I Mm -hmm. like that theory. It's as reasonable as anything else, I suppose. Kim's diabetes would have to be... Diabetes. Sorry. A secret. It would have to be a, a modern puzzle to to a puzzle to modern science because she's in very good shape. She could be type one, man. Well, I she would have to be type everything to, to experience the effects from diabetes. Boy, I you know what? I don't actually know the clean living she's doing. She's not eating out of a vending machine. If anybody's going to get diabetes of the foot, it's going to be Saul. This is one of the most casual that we've ever seen her this episode. By the way, Kim in a t-shirt and jeans. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. More of that. <laughs> I, I would I, like I more of that. I don't object. <laughs> not, not to objectify. I'm not going to you. Not to objectify a lady, but damn. Mm-hmm. That was a lovely object to see. <laughs> All right, moving on to Josh. <laughs> After watching Bad Choice Road, it felt like it might be worth cataloging the numerous times in the Breaking Bad Better Call Saul universe the one of our main male characters lies to their romantic partner in a way that is somehow important to the story. Walt lies to Skylar too many times to count. Jesse lies to Jane a number of times, the first of which is the funniest, that his full name is Jesse Jackson. Ugh. He's trying to rent her apartment. God. Jesse lies to Andrea a number of times, including mm-hmm. when he first meets her in an attempt to sell her and the others at the uh, Narcotics Anonymous meeting meth. Chuck lies to Rebecca to cover up his allergy to electricity, Jimmy lies to Kim a number of times, including in this episode about what happened to him in the desert. Is this a narrative crutch, something that would naturally happen to men caught up in the game over the course of a few years? George Lucas's It Rhymes theory of storytelling or some combination of all these? I mean, it kind of just feels a little true to life. Yeah. I think most people, when caught up in these situations, man or woman, would probably lie to their significant other. Especially in... Yeah, in these type of situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are high stakes situations. They are criminal situations. The you know, the types of people who are inclined toward these behaviors are not super trustworthy and uh upstanding in the first place. Yeah. I know I know don't I don't want to blanket everybody with that. <laughs> I will say some people just get into bad situations, um, through no fault of their own. But I will say these characters are not those people. <laughs> no, yeah, it's and I don't know that the gender has a lot to play into it because other than the fact that the only protagonists or the, the main protagonists that we have in these shows just are men. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are sort of driving the story forward a lot of the time. Not so much, a little bit less here, which is nice, but... Kim doesn't do a lot of lying. I find Kim to be a very honest person. She is. Very forthcoming with the truth. But that's my point, is that the con men, the ones who would be in a position to be liars yeah. in these shows are, they're men. Skylar so. gets her fair share of lying in, and I think Jane does too. Um, they do, but. 
Skylar's I fucked Ted moment. I guess she told the truth eventually. Yeah. <laughs> for her own reasons. Sure. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, as much as dramas tend to focus around the male perspective, I think you also get a lot more uh, men at the center of these very dramatic stories, which involve lying frequently. All right, Brian says, I have no great insights into this superb season of television. I'll leave that to you two. What I do possess is an acute knowledge of aquarium fish. (laughs) (laughs) I like where this is going. Uh, Go on. I've been keeping fish for over a year now. And in that time, I've watched at least 100 hours of fish YouTube or fish tube. Fish tube. Videos and read several dozen articles on various fish keeping techniques. And I can tell you for one thing, uh, one thing for sure. The aquarium in Jimmy and Kim's apartment is much too small for that fish. That looks to be about a 10-gallon aquarium. And the consensus for uh, most fish keepers is that a single goldfish should be kept in a minimum of 29 gallons? Yeah. This is blowing my mind. How is that possible? Then no one should make fish bowls. That's like half a gallon. (laughs) That's like a liter of... Water. It's almost like you're torturing a very small animal. Yes, you're keeping them in a cage. Jesus. All right, I got a whole new perspective on every show I've ever seen with a fishbowl. <laughs> Mr. Robot, I'm looking at you. Simpsons, oh, I'm looking boy. at you. While this juvenile goldfish can spend the beginning of its 10-year life in a smaller tank, it will not thrive. And don't get me started on the water changes needed for a goldfish in the tank that small. You're probably looking at a 50% water change at least one to two times a week to keep the nitrates within an acceptable level because let's face it, Goldies are little piggies. Just eating up all the nitrates. Goldies are little piggies. I love it. Also, there's just like so much poop in that water, probably. You ever seen a fish poop? It's gross. Go well, on. Yeah, I've seen a grown man drink his own pee, so. Eh. What do you do? Eh. Are these two lawyers keeping up with that schedule? I no. think not. Are Kim and Jimmy going to deserve whatever hardship befalls them at the end of this series? <laughs> probably not, but that goldfish might think otherwise. I can only imagine what was going through Lala's mind as he examined that poor excuse for an aquatic home. <clears throat> and he hopes that somewhere uh, the goldfish will, or the fish will find its way to somewhere more spacious before the tires fall off their relationship. Wow. I know too much about fish now. That fish, one, that fish is totally getting flushed if it doesn't work out between them. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that's just happening. And two, the water wasn't cloudy, so... Probably changed pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's doing it, but it seems like Jimmy's kind of on top of these fish, right? And he's feeding he's worried the fish about the all tapping, the time. And... But is he worried about the tapping because his fucking phone is right on the other side? He, he put his phone is. down right next to the 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 shiniest thing in the room. That of course Lalo is going to be attracted to, like a moth to flame. Sight. That's, sure, that's, the, that's yeah. the motto there, right? Yeah, don't hide two feet to the right of plain sight. Hide <laughs> in plain sight. It's to the left. Come on. Uh, uh, no, sorry, that fish tank is on, if you're looking toward the couch, the fish tank is on the left side. Mm-hmm. The phone could have been two feet to the right, was what I was saying. Oh, from Lala's perspective, it's on the left. Shh. That was what I was saying. Shh. All right, Alfie. Ray Seahorn is a literal angel. Just <laughs> done watching episode nine. Wow. Given the, t- the next, oh, shut your ears for like 15 seconds if you don't want to hear the title of next episode. Yep. Uh, given the next episode title, something unforgivable, I'm so worried about Kim. Ray Seahorn is honestly one of the best actors working at the moment, and she doesn't get the credit she deserves. But I can see Jimmy getting her killed or Jimmy hurting her so badly it will devastate me. I don't want that for my Kim. I'm praying she gets away from the series damaged as little as possible. 
I don't want to see her like Skylar in a crappy apartment, unable to work as a lawyer, but I don't have high hopes. The bad news, if you want any of your characters in a a, a Gooligan show to end up well, to end up in good places, mm-hmm. other than Jesse. If they're not Jesse, I don't know if they're going to be okay. Is Kim going to be the Jesse? Probably uh, not. I hope so, but I hope she experienced a little less uh, anguish before then. Mm-hmm. Because Jesse had to take a hard road to get out Ooh, of where yeah, he, he was. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't see Kim getting killed off next episode. Mm-mm. I think I still have plenty to do with Kim. I think Nacho is kind of the dead end here. You know, and, and it's still heartbreaking. Like, yeah, killing Kim would, would crush the audience. And maybe they'll do that eventually. But I think right now, killing Nacho makes the most sense and would still crush the audience. He's, everybody loves Nacho. Um, everybody, everybody loves, loves Nacho. Nacho's and, dad. Yeah, and he is nearing the end of the new things that he can bring to the yeah. story. Yeah, and if you look at sort of where the the Salamancas are in Breaking Bad, you have to ask yourself, where the hell are the Salamancas in Breaking Bad? Because mm-hmm. they're basically non-existent. Yeah. Hector is stuck in this place. Tuco's doing some two-bit meth yeah. operation he's high as a kite the entire time it seems to me like that that operation is is headed out and if yeah. you have a character like nacho behind the scenes working with tuco it just it doesn't seem like it would be uh i'll be honest with you i kind of forgot about this throughout different parts of this particular episode i was wondering if nacho was gonna do anything while he had lalo on his own I don't know what how that would help. Yeah, it seems risky. Yeah, but there were a few times where I wondered if something had been set up mm-hmm. already that by going back north and then going south but in a different direction, he Lalo ruined. Like, I don't know if maybe Gus had something planned or... Oh, we saw Victor. Victor's tracking them. Yeah, yeah, they know that. Lalo was supposed to go to Mexico. They know that he didn't. He took a detour to Saul's place, which is why mm-hmm. Mike shows up at Saul's place, calls him, and then shows up there. Right, which would mean that they know he's going back to Mexico and not in the yeah. right direction. Well, I mean, they still want him to go to Mexico. It's just a matter of why is he going to Mexico? And that's what they can't really know. Yeah, but if he's making a beeline for the fucking Hacienda, then... And, you know, this detour says a lot. The, I mean, Mike... Mike heard the conversation, mm-hmm. um, so Mike's going to naturally know, you know, the state of that, of uh, what's going on in Lala's head coming out of that, that he suddenly doubts his own organization, and then maybe he's headed back to Mexico to deal with that situation. Right. Um, and all the implications that that has. And it's it's kind of beautiful, because Mike, you know, for whatever reason, cares about getting Nacho out. He He feels like it's the fair thing, the right thing. Um, he wants to get Nacho out. He feels for Nacho's dad, uh, who shouldn't be involved in this at all. And I think now Mike needs to be worried about Nacho. I mean, Nacho has been, he's kind of in the situation that Mike was before Mike just kind of accepted his fate, mm-hmm. basically. He has a gun to his head. I think Mike probably knows that he has family, too, mm-hmm. who could be in danger. And also... Yeah, I mean, Nacho said, like, my father, you know, does. he told Mike what's going on with yeah. his dad. Yeah. Exactly, and I 
maybe he didn't think Gus was necessarily that kind of person who would put the family in danger. Right. And he himself has family, which we know that comes into play in Breaking Bad. Yeah, and Gus showed his true colors when he yeah. you know, had Victor go in and menace his father, mm-hmm. which is the thing that really scared Nacho into, into saying, like, I have to get out of this. Yeah. Uh, and I need to go to Mike to get out of this because it's not working with just myself. Mm-hmm. So now Mike's got to be thinking, oh, shit. You know, if 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 Lalo comes out of this doubting his own organization, what steps is he going to take to? <laughs> Who's he going to direct that fucking anger reassure at? himself? Yeah, yeah. So no, I I really think we got to be looking at Nacho for next episode. I think so too. I'm quite concerned. I think and Kim's okay for. She's definitely going to be in next season. I think so. But that's it. Uh, we're one episode away from the end of this thing. Holy we shit! Next week is the finale. And man, I can't wait to see it. It's it's such like I, I'm watching two shows right now. One is Better Call Saul, the other is Westworld, and they could not be more different. <laughs> and I'm I'm grateful for that because if I had to do two Westworlds, two Westworlds, or even two Better Call Sauls with like this heavy emotional baggage that comes with it, it kind of drives you insane. <laughs> but the the sort of like juxtaposition of these two very different shows doing very different things is kind of hitting my hitting me in all the right places at the very right least now. balancing your insanity yes your different flavors of insanity yes okay tasty tasty insanity uh thanks everybody for joining us we're going to be back next week like i said for the finale, finale. if you want to send in your feedback um your hopes your fears your dreams your, your predictions all of the above you can do so at better call Saul at baldmove.com and until next week i'm jim i'm alexis see you then <laughs>